Welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Leadership and Engagement. My name is Joseph Perez, and I hope everyone's doing great out here and wearing a mask. Do not forget to vote, as this upcoming election is pretty important in the grand scheme of things. Today's episode is centered around social justice and how we can use these moments to develop our own leadership skills. Social justice is an extremely relevant topic for us today as numerous injustices are happening across the nation and it has grown to the point where we can no longer sit idly by and watch this unfold. Thankfully, we have someone who can speak extensively on this topic and how we can connect it to leadership. Our special guest for today is Dr. Jason Williams, a passionate activist, criminologist, and full-time professor in justice studies at Montclair State University, whose work is guided by his realist ideals. But I'll let him expand on that for you. Stay tuned after the scratch for our interview with Dr. Williams. I would like to introduce my guest for today's episode. He is a full-time justice studies professor at MSU. Dr. Jason Williams, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. Now, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I mean, I know I've, I've done a little research on you, but for the people who have not heard of you, could you please explain a little bit about yourself? Yes, certainly. So I'm an activist scholar. I, am, uh, I also identify as a critical criminologist. So I've been doing a lot of work around much of the current events that I'm sure people are seeing today. I came to Montclair in 2016. Prior to Montclair, I was at Fairleigh Dickinson. And um, I've always worked in criminal justice or justice studies kinds of departments. And much of my work, again, is grounded in the community uh, around qualitative ethnographic research. I like to talk to people in the community and sort of gather uh, their perspectives um, and, 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 and delve more so into their lived realities around justice, particularly police or um, reintegrating um, prisoner reentry and such. And um, I'm deeply into racial, racial and gendered contexts. So I'm a race scholar. Nice, beautiful. Uh, most, most people don't know this about me, but I, I'm a current graduate student and I did my undergraduate studies at St. Peter's University and mm. my major was criminal justice. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I do have an interest in sort of what you are a scholar on. I think that, you know, race, culture, identity, all of that has to do with us developing ourselves as leaders. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, can you, since you, you know, you worked in, uh, you worked in different universities, correct? You know, I have. Day, Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your experience about social justice at those different universities? Yeah. So at, at, at Montclair, I do tend to see a little bit more activity. Of, of social uh, social uh, justice uh, amongst students, but also amongst the faculty and staff as far as committees and just little initiatives and whatnot. At Philly Dickinson, we didn't quite see as much of it. And now I will say that much of this has to do to the, um, has to do with the leadership. So if leadership is not sort of leading away on these issues or at least bringing light to some of these issues, then it isn't going to trickle down, right? It has to be the sort of trickle down effect, you know, higher ed is this very hierarchical sort of institution. So 
it's going to take the people at the top to say, okay, it's time that we address these concerns in order for people at the bottom to feel as if engaging in such activity is, is you know, has meaning. You know, unfortunately in the university, people, um, you know, if it, if it isn't going to bring them, um, and, and by, I guess I should define meaning. And by meaning, I mean like if it isn't going to sustain them in their position, if you will, right, mm -hmm. then they might feel that engaging in such activities is a waste of their time. But then um, I would say more to that too, um, people don't want to be retaliated against. And I, I know across some universities, and particularly the private in, uh, uh, universities, and I know this was a feeling that fairly Dickinson among some folk, they felt that engaging in some of these types of discourses around social justice could cause for them to be retaliated against, particularly if the ethos at such campuses is such that we don't see color and we don't see gender and we don't see these types of variables. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's almost as if, you know, depending on the type of university, you, know, you, might, you might get hostility for yeah. absolutely no reason. And I know I went to, uh, I actually visited, visited LSU a couple of years ago when I was in Louisiana for a wedding. And okay. it just baffles me because uh, I'm, I'm a Hispanic male and I didn't see anybody that was that had even close to my skin tone. And, you know, it was during, it was during, the, it was during April. So it, mm. it, it, it was interesting to see, you know, how, how they prop up certain things. You know how in the South they have, they pride football among, almost every, above almost everything else. And it, it just has me thinking, like, how did leadership let it get to this point where yeah. Yeah. The sports are more important than academics? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and oftentimes with some of these institutions, it is through sports, right? It is through these sort of extracurricular mechanisms that diversity even arrives on their campus. And so diversity within the intellectual context is sort of an afterthought, if even that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's most unfortunate, you know, um, and then sometimes too, they're not even thinking about faculty and staff. You know, we often think about diversity within faculty, which is crucial, by the way, you know, students need to take courses with professors who perhaps do not look like them, right? And then likewise, students of color need to take classes from professors who look like them, who identify with their cultures, their heritage, histories, and so forth. But we need to also problematize staff, right? We need more staff of color, more staff from underrepresented background. Staff interact with students perhaps more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. I, I like how you mentioned that because it kind of ties into what you said earlier about the trickle-down effect from leadership up top. They, they hire faculty and students and student workers of different races and ethnicities helps with the diversity, helps people interact with each other to understand their point of view so that they yeah. can be more open-minded. And I yeah. think that's, that's, one, of the, that's what, one of the reasons I love Montclair State. You know, I came from a private school and there, were, there, were, there was diversity, but not to the extent that Montclair has. You know, it's a public school, it's much bigger, it's more opportunities, and everyone's really friendly. Everyone understands each other's point of view. There's no hostility, no feelings of, mm -hmm. you know, of, of conflict. It's one of the things I like about the school. And you know, mm -hmm. compared that to LSU, I didn't see a lot of diversity. It's just mainly yeah. in sports, but in academics, not so mm -hmm. much. But whereas in MSU, it's a little bit of everything. You see diversity in almost all aspects of the community. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing when, when campuses can take advantage or materialize uh, said diversity. 
you know, um, and that's a good thing because it's not enough to just have people from various different walks of life on campus, right? Uh, any place can accomplish that. You have to materialize it. So it has to be sort of brought to life. Now, you said you were a scholar, right? Mm -hmm. So what caused you to start on the path to becoming a scholar? What, 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 how, what, what inspired you to take up this path? Yeah, yeah. So I went to undergrad, I believe, because you went to St. Pete's, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was down the street at NJCU. So my <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and so it was professors that I had taken, you know, professors that <clears throat> who did their job and they inspired um, myself, you know, and, and others. I, I have colleagues um, back then who also went to grad school and so forth. But I would say a little bit of that as well as my own sort of biography. So coming up in the housing project and just being Black in America and understanding that there needed to be change, you know, immediate change in the administration of justice. Also having a passion for law in particular. Um, so upon leaving undergrad, I quite didn't know which route I wanted to go, if it was going to be law school or a doctorate. But uh, my program at the time presented me with a graduate assistantship to basically stay there and get a master's and be a grad assistant. And I couldn't turn that down, right? So because the graduate assistantship typically comes with, uh, you know, they pay your tuition and you get a stipend. So I said, okay, why not? And so I took that, and then upon leaving that, the master's program, still, I had to sort of choose, okay, Jason, now are you going to go to, you know, law school, or are you going to now move and matriculate to a, a doctoral degree? And I ended up going to get my doctorate degree. And I will say, you know, during that time in my master's degree, that's when I really began to develop a, um, a liking to research. So, um, you know, and, and I guess the rest is history, you know, <laughs> ever since then. <laughs> I've been um, conducting research, but you know, critical research grounded in, you know, marginalized communities. So I, I'm known for doing research that is sort of divergent from the norm, if you will. I mean, I think that's really good because we do need research from all angles, not just right. one particular train of thought. Mm -hmm. Now, how does your social justice research support you as a leader? Oh, tremendously. Um, you know, being able to conduct research, right, and, and then get it published and recognized and, and, and get awards and such for your research gives you tremendous credibility, right, within the uh, social justice community, certainly the academic community. But basically what it says to people is that, well, this person must know what they're talking about, or at least at the very least, they have something to contribute, right? They have something to contribute because they've studied this um, particular issue up close and personally at an intimate level and they have something to contribute. And I think that has been the uh, biggest help with me being able to sort of utilize and exercise that skill set. Um, and I always try to do that, always try to do that in, in all of my community-based partnerships and initiatives. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like you can apply that to different disciplines as well in terms of the work right. ethic and the leadership style. That's right. It's, it's not just about social justice, you know, it could be about business, it can be about culinary arts, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because the, look, the, the skill sets you learn while you're in school, whether it's undergrad, grad school, so forth and so on, these are skill sets that you can take on anywhere, right? Anywhere, you know, and I often tell my students that, you know, the skill sets that we teach you, 
teaching you to be leaders, not only to go out and be able to, of course, obtain a uh, employment or what have you, but to be leaders, to be leaders in those positions. And to be, and also to be someone that others look up to. Hello. Influ inf influencing. That's I, right. Because I, I used to be in retail, so I used to manage my own group of employees and com compare that to how to the people I'm managing right now, it's like night and day, you know, and retail was a smaller scale because you're just trying to get through the day, whereas in academia and higher ed, it's all a long-term plan. Similar yeah. to what you said earlier, establishing credibility, being respected amongst your peers. That's you know, right. That, as a leader, you know, you always got to think about that. You always want to push yourself forward. That's right. Yeah. No. So true. So true. So true. And I completely identify with that. Look, I worked in retail as well for years while I was in college. So I, I completely identify with that. Completely. Now, doctor, do you feel that your work and your research on social justice has changed your leadership style? Has changed my teaching style, you say? Uh, I'm sorry, your leadership style. Well, yeah, because, you know, you have to, um, you know, you learn. I mean, first of all, if you, if you don't learn while you're <clears throat> matriculating through activism and, and social justice um, avenues, then I don't, you know, something must be wrong with you, right? <laughs> so you have to have room to learn. You have to have capacity to learn from others uh, and, and to make mistakes as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, really briefly, I mean, I went to Ferguson in the aftermath of Mike Brown. I went to Baltimore in the aftermath of Freddie Gray. Um, I've been following a lot of the police-involved um, reforms here in New Jersey, particularly North Patterson. Uh, my research here at home is around prisoner reentry. Um, I'm doing work around truancy. So all of these things um, are are approached within a very activist sort of context. You know, I work with the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice. Um, you know, and I do a lot of policy-oriented work with them you know, around radical social justice changes. So through working with, you know, throughout either of those mediums, yeah, I mean, I've been changed immensely. You know, you know, you have to sit down and be reflexive about certain things. Thank you, thank you. Now, do, does the idea of leadership vary among different school leaders or different leaders in your area of expertise? Definitely, because leadership oftentimes is a subjective category or idea, so it will vary. I think ultimately, though, um, it should carry with it capacity to lead, uh, teach others, and eventually step aside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And pass the baton. Now, what role should social justice play in leadership? I mean, you talked about a lot of things happening across the country over the past five, six years, or the last seven, I will say maybe the last decade. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what role, if any, does social justice have in leadership? Yeah, I think to be socially responsible, you know. Um, Unfortunately, like with the NFL, right, we're seeing some of that now, right? Like, it's like you can, you can see them sort of regretting, right, not having listened to uh, Kaepernick. But, uh, you know, with the NBA, we've seen a different um, response, so to speak. I mean, I, I would say that they've been better, right? They've yeah, been better. Definitely. But, um, say it again? 
I'm sorry, I was saying that the NBA's response compared to the NFL, that's definitely right. better, much that's better, right. because they have more support. That's right, that's right, that's right. And whereas one of the leagues were sort of, you know, afraid of what the response might be from a particular segment of their customer base. And so I think that social justice within leadership within organizations and such needs to understand, listen, look, you, you may have to take risks to do that which is right, right? So being socially responsible requires taking risks mm-hmm. and, 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 and dealing with those consequences because you don't want to come back years later and look, look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh my God, we were wrong. We were wrong. Mm-hmm. I, see, sometimes in my, my, my current position, I'm like half, half a student, half a full-time professional. So you know, sometimes I have to think of it in between those two perspectives. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, like, you know, as a leader, you got to be socially responsible. You have to lead by example and you know, see what's going on. Like it, it, there's a lot of narratives going around, a lot of complex interconnected uh, narratives. And it's hard. sometimes it's hard to, to figure out what's right and what's wrong. Right. You yeah. Know, as leaders, you know, you have to find out like what what's right to you because what's right to you trickles down. Like kind of like what you talked about earlier in, about yeah. leadership and how it's supposed to trickle down in terms of diversity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you also have to be willing to defer. Leaders, you know, smart leaders can bring in experts, right, and can bring mm-hmm. in other people who can help them to decipher that which is true and that which might be wrong. Right. I mean, as a qualitative researcher. And I'm teaching a class now, qualitative uh, research, but you know, I just did a day about the importance of collective subjectivities, right? So if you bring in as a leader, um, multiple individuals from various standpoints, then you all can sort of sit down at the table and debate your, you know, these sort of inter, inter uh, subjectivities of a particular issue such that you can get, you know, sort of grand perspective of what might be happening. You know, this is what our president of the United States is supposed to be doing, right? This is typically the idea of why a president has such a large cabinet and so many advisors and so forth and so on. So, you know, that's what responsible leadership could be in light of social justice. You know, if in fact, let's say the leader is afraid to make a decision or may not feel that they have enough information, you have to be open to deferring and and open to understanding that. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, that's one of the hardest lessons some people have to learn, knowing, admitting when they're wrong, because mm-hmm. it puts them in a selfish position. And some people don't like that. They don't like being vulnerable at times, especially with, right. the, with the current landscape, the current society, the societal right. standards. And you know, it's what I tell my student leaders sometimes too, like, you know, be willing to admit when you're wrong. That's right, you have to be. And it's not, it's not a sign of weakness. In fact, I would say, you know, it's, it's a sign of courage. It's a sign of showing that you're willing to learn, right? And bring on additional, you know, sort of knowledge from whomever is willing to help you with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, pow- it's a powerful act, I think. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like showing the vulnerability. Definitely. Yeah, I've done it in classes. You know, I, I often tell my students to say, listen, I may have a PhD, right? I may have been <laughs> teaching for years. But I don't know everything, you know? Listen, mm-hmm. professors have specialties. So although I have a doctorate in criminal justice, I may not know everything intimately on the topic. You know, like I'm not a white collar uh, crime scholar, right? I don't research that intimately. Do I know about it? Yes, I do. But I have another colleague on the faculty 
for whom that is his specialty. That is the research he does, right? So mm -hmm. if let's say the New York Times was contacting my department for comment on white collar crime, I certainly wouldn't do it because it's not my area, right? I don't do specific research on that. I would say, hey, Marshall might be able to do that because not my area, mm -hmm. right? So it's okay to be able to explain these things and to show that kind of vulnerability. You know, it's it's being real with yourself and real with others. Mm -hmm. And you know, I feel like that's one of the biggest things in terms of how to be a good, how to be an effective leader, a good leader, especially during these times of major social change and you know social reform. And I, I'm just th I just think of the leadership of, for example, Jacob Blake. You know, what mm. happened to him was incredibly tragic, and. You know, there's you know a lot of different narratives about what had happened, what really happened, and the truth is, we don't really know. All we have is just basic video, and from what I've, from the research that I've done, you know, the, the police officers in Kenosha they don't have body cams, so that kind of that kind of distorts everything even further. But yeah. what I'm yeah. getting, like what I was thinking is, how did leadership let it get to that point? Yes. And also, it's also le how, how leader the, the response of that leadership. How are they going to handle something like that? Now, you know, it's obviously like a big picture example, but, you know, sometimes I run into situations and I have to think about how did I let it get to this point as a leader and what can I do to make sure it doesn't happen again or to better myself next time. Yeah, like self-responsibility. Mm -hmm, like the yeah. same, same thing with Breonna Taylor. Like how did leadership, how did the police department let it get to the point where they would go in and do what they did? And exactly. more over their response. Exactly. You know, exactly. How did they handle it? I mean, we still have people asking to arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. And why is leadership still letting this go on? Why can't they just take social responsibility and hold each other accountable? Exactly, exactly. And, and while we may have, you know, some potential answers to that, right, and particularly in the case of Breonna Taylor with the um, state attorneys general perhaps having higher ambitions, and, and, and right, for one, for one, um, for one instance with him um and just particularly how you know the, the politicality of these situations and, and, and the positions of da's and such uh, but but getting back specifically to uh this sort of crisis of leadership right and what you're saying here um yes um because then we sit back and we wonder why you know the so-called riot and begins right and why it just snowballs out of control it usually starts with leadership, the inaction, the inaction of yes. leadership. Yes, I, I love that you brought up that word. Mm -hmm. Inaction. In yeah. Sometimes in doing nothing is even worse than doing something. Yeah, that's and right. It, it's, you know, as leaders, you know, it's not just for, you know, undergraduate students, but also, you know, anyone else that might be listening, like, you know, developing your leadership style, you know, always be moving, <laughs> so to speak especially when it comes to social responsibility. Hello, you know, uh, and you never want your constituents, you know, the, the people whom you are supposed to be serving or what have you, to feel as if you're not listening to them mm -hmm. and, and as if they're not even an afterthought. You know, that is, I think, most stressing on, um, you know, your, your constituents because look, I mean, you're supposed to be here serving us, you're supposed to be the leader and we're getting nothing from you. That's why I like. I, I really appreciate uh, the initiatives that Montclair has done in terms of having these types of conversations, or at least being aware of what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. big shout outs to the Office of Social Justice and Diversity. You know, they're doing a great mm -hmm. job bringing mm -hmm. awareness of this. But 
I feel like, you know, us as a community, we do have to have these conversations. It may be tough, but mm -hmm. we, I feel like we do need to have them in order to try to understand yeah. Yeah. what we're going through. How did it get yeah. to this point? How can we get through this to be better individuals, to be a better community? That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. you could have, you know, that's on a macro level. On a micro level, yeah, yeah. you know, differently with, you know, with, if you have, if students or leaders have their own group of people and they have, they went through a major issue, talk it over. It's really hard to admit when you're wrong, like we mentioned earlier, but being able to run to get through it makes us better individuals. That's right. And it's necessary. That's, that's real growth. That is true growth. When you can sit down and realize, you know what, I may have been wrong here. I may have been wrong and I need guidance on this particular issue. Uh, Dr. Williams, do you have any uh, final words, final thoughts? That learning never stops, right? So that even when we're done with our degrees, you know, and this sort of connects back to my last point, even when we're done with our degrees, we should continue to seek knowledge and knowledge can come from books, right? Knowledge can come from our articles that we read sometimes and it can come from each other, right? It can come from each other and our, lived, our own lived reality, our own lived experiences. So never stop learning. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes, that is a major point. Uh, sometimes I get a little stubborn, I get a little prideful, and I, sometimes I don't ask for help until it's too late. You know, for, that, that's a big point, Dr. Williams. You guys, whoever's listening, always ask for help if you need it. Yep. Don't be afraid, guys. Yep. Uh, Dr. Williams, thank you very much for, have, for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate yep. your input and your wisdom. And My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. I would like to thank Dr. Williams again for coming on to the podcast. It's much appreciated. If you want to check out Dr. Williams and his work, you can head to his website at drjasonwilliams.com. That's drjasonwilliams.com. I'll also provide a link in the description. What are your thoughts on social justice, guys? How can we, we develop our leadership skills off of what's happening in today's society? Let us know using the voice memo included in the, in the description or tag us on our social media. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash CLE leadership and our Twitter and Instagram is at MSU leadership. We would love to hear from you guys to see what you guys think. Stay tuned for the next episode and as always, take care of yourselves and each other.